Arkansas and the federal government are at odds over water quality, and specifically, how much is too much when it comes to the amount of phosphorus being released into waterways by sewer treatment plants. The average person may ask, why should I care? Well, we'll tell you in this edition of the Know the News podcast. Hello, my name is Rusty Turner, and I'm the host for today's podcast, and it's brought to you by the newsroom of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. This weekend, our reporter, Lorinda Jinks, will bring you a story about this dispute, which is part and parcel of a long-running controversy over the safety and sustainability of waterways in northwest Arkansas and in eastern Oklahoma. On today's podcast, we'll talk with an expert on the topic about how these issues affect residents and businesses. But first, a little background. The Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality filed a lawsuit in April against the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, alleging that the federal agency is attempting to infringe on the state agency's authority. You see, back in December, ADEQ granted permits allowing the expansion of two Northwest Arkansas sewer treatment plants. One is Springdale Water Utilities, and the other is the Northwest Arkansas Conservation Authority in Bentonville. The EPA wanted the state to require more stringent restrictions on the amount of phosphorus allowed in the treated wastewater released from those plants. In fact, the EPA wanted to reduce the amount by 10 times what the ADEQ had been willing to allow. The expansion permits issued by the state do include additional reductions in phosphorus limits, but not as low as the EPA wants. Now, the lawsuit hinges on whether the EPA made its demands in a timely manner before the permits had been issued. But at the core of this case and this debate is how much phosphorus and other nutrients should be released into the waterways of northwest Arkansas to protect water quality. The effluent from the Springdale and Bentonville plants eventually flows into the Illinois River, which flows west into Oklahoma, and that in turn brings that state's water quality standards into play as well. The two states and the EPA have battled for years over water quality standards. And this new lawsuit is just another round in that fight. But all of this begs several questions. Where does this phosphorus come from? What impact does it have on water quality and the environment? And ultimately, how much phosphorus is too much phosphorus? Our guest today will help us answer some of those questions. She's Dr. Rebecca Logston Munich. She's an assistant professor of environmental engineering at the School of Sustainable Engineering and the Built Environment at Arizona State University. She's also involved in the National Science Foundation Center for Science and Technologies for Phosphorus Sustainability. I'm not going to be able to say that too many times fast. Uh, And uh, if that weren't enough, she's a native of Northwest Arkansas, having graduated from Springdale High School and the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Dr. Munich, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you having me on your show. All right. So let's start start with the basics. Um, let's talk a little bit about what phosphorus is and how it gets into treated wastewater. Sure. Yeah, phosphorus is a basic element that you and I, everybody, um, ecosystems, fish, plants, everything needs. Um, it's one of those key macro elements like uh, nitrogen that we, we need to survive and most things need to survive. Um, It can get into wastewater specifically by um, humans consuming things and then flushing them down the toilet, (laughs) essentially. Um, And there's because there's phosphorus in in basically everything that we eat. 
Um, and so that's basically how, how it gets into there. Um, I can even back it up a step a little bit and talk about where did it come from to get into the food in the place first place, um, because that kind of drives why we should care a little bit more about phosphorus. Um, so phosphorus typically is mined from rock, um, rock phosphate. It's a pretty energy-intensive process. Um, there's only so much uh, finite resources of phosphorus rock on the planet. So, um, you know, there is going to be a point in human history where we run out of rock phosphorus that we can mine. So it's a really important resource for us to be able to control because we need it to grow the food that we want to consume and then we need it also for ourselves to grow uh, healthy and strong. So um, here in northwest Arkansas, there is a great deal of poultry production, lots of chickens, lots of turkeys being grown. Um, and, and that has always come up in the, in the many years in these, uh, many years that these uh, disputes have gone on that, um, that, that uh, poultry production um, also affects the amount of phosphorus uh, in the runoff and in the wastewater. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, they're uh, just like humans have phosphorus in their waste, chickens have phosphorus in theirs as well. And it also, even though, you know, it's certainly been linked to lots of cases like in Arkansas where it can lead to adverse outcomes, um, it's a valuable resource. As I mentioned, uh, we currently mine most of our phosphorus from rocks, but if we can better recover and incorporate that organic phosphorus, even that comes from chickens or even from uh, human wastewater, we can do a better job at uh, maintaining phosphorus into the future. Um, so yeah, one of the biggest issues with phosphorus from organic sources like manures um, or biosolids from wa the wastewater treatment process is has to do with the availability of phosphorus with respect to nitrogen. So, you know, one simple thing could be to better use, um, you know, poultry litter or other kinds of manure from other kinds of farms like uh, liquid manures from dairy farms, for instance. Um, if we could better utilize the nutrients in those organic sources, we could cut down on the mine phosphorus that we're using and, you know, create a more sustainable phosphorus cycle. One of the bigger issues with that can be the fact that um, the nitrogen to phosphorus ratio in a lot of the organic residuals is not uh, what we need in terms of crop growth. So what tends to happen if you're applying manure um, to your croplands, you may either underapply nitrogen or most often we overapply phosphorus because nitrogen um, uh, if you don't have nitrogen, your plant's not going to grow at all. Um, and if you um, have less phosphorus, it's going to impact your growth, but your plant will probably still grow for a little while because there's a lot of phosphorus in our soils. So, um, you know, there's this ratio issue um, with all with, with recycling phosphorus that, that has to be addressed. Um, and also, we have this issue in the U.S., especially of the decoupling of our um, livestock and crop systems, um, whereas, you know, 50, 100 years ago, um, many people had their own livestock and, uh, you know, gardens in their backyard that they used to live on. Um, today, we, with a more industrialized, economically efficient system, um, we have livestock production and concentrated in certain areas and cropland in others, even though they might be nearby, 
due to economic con- uh, efficiencies and concerns, uh, we tend to have a decoupled system where crop farmers are applying uh, bought and uh, typically mined um, or you know chemically created fertilizers rather than using the organic sources, which have like the the phosphorus to nitrogen ratio issue I mentioned, as well as they can have contaminants in them. So, you know, there's a big economic factor within all of this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other issues, uh, and you know, the, the just the fact that that this issue has come up because of expansion of a couple of the uh, local wastewater treatment plants is the just the explosive growth in Northwest Arkansas over the past 25 years or so. Uh, there's just so much more wastewater to be processed and released into waterways now. Uh, uh, surely that is also a contributing factor to uh, concerns about too much phosphorus in the free-flowing streams. Oh, definitely. Yeah, wastewater treatment plants and, um, you know, driven by large populations or large population growth, um, definitely treat um, and oftentimes try to remove a lot of phosphorus. Um, And there's always going to be this interplay between what I would refer to in in academics, we we call point sources versus non-point sources. Um, Point sources typically being places of uh, pollution in the environment that you can think of, you can point to. Um, The advantage to uh, being able to monitor and regulate a point source is we know exactly uh, the source. We can monitor that source where it is, um, and we can, you know, track progress. So, you know, we have wastewater treatment plants, our centralized collection systems for the human waste that we create in our cities um, and communities. Um, In agricultural systems, either through livestock or cropland systems, we tend to have what we would call non-point sources. Um, And it's a little bit harder to track, monitor, and know um, what happens to all that phosphorus, for instance, that might get applied as manure or fertilizer in the environment. Um, because you can imagine we don't we don't have one centralized location that's collecting all of that, and um, you know it, we can't really connect that to where where exactly it came from. So you tend to you tend to see this um, back and forth between point source and non-point source regulation and management as well, um, not just in Arkansas but in many places because um, point sources are just easier to monitor and regulate. Um, because there's an actual point we can do that at, whereas non-point sources are always going to be harder to monitor and regulate. So um, they both contribute, and they're both an issue. Um, one is just a little bit easier to track over time than the other. That that said, you know we we certainly have methods, um, and you can there are, have been methods implemented in, in Arkansas as well as other parts of the country to try and track non-point sources as well as point sources, but. Hopefully that gives kind of a history of, um, you know, where this back and forth tends to come from um, between these two kinds of sources of phosphorus. Right. And so let's talk a little bit about the on-the-ground impact. If, you know, if you have waterways that have too much phosphorus in them, uh, you know, what's the environmental and, and everyday impact of that? What, uh, you know, what should the average person in northwest Arkansas be concerned about if the phosphorus levels in the local waterways get too high? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And, you know, like I said, we all need phosphorus. Plants, uh, fish, everything in the environment also needs phosphorus. But 
beyond a certain amount um, where that phosphorus can't be used um, by the existing ecosystem itself, it can lead to what we call eutrophication. And uh, whether or not you know that term, you've definitely seen it. Um, uh, if you've ever seen a green pond, for instance, or you've seen kind of that mucky stuff on uh, maybe Beaver Lake or something, um, that is probably due to an excess growth of algae um, in that water body. And um, that alone can have some ecosystem impacts itself, but um, you know it can eventually grow so large it can um, start to die and through that decomposition process um, sucks out a bunch of the oxygen in the water body so you can get things like fish kills. So if you're a fisherman um, you know and you're interested in, in being able to continue that hobby or uh, or job uh, role, then that's going to be a big issue. And a growing concern um, that we're starting to see and uh, more and more places are monitoring are things we call harmful algal blooms. So this would be when that algae that takes over with that excess phosphorus in the system um, can actually produce toxins. And those toxins can be things that can uh, harm human health, even lead to, you know, uh, dogs dying in water. If you've seen some of those sad news stories, um, it led in, for instance, up in Lake Erie, where I also previously worked, um, to a uh, do not drink order for the entire city of Toledo um, because they had micro which is a toxin produced by a cyanobacteria um, that is harmful for humans to ingest. So it definitely does matter when we get so much excess of that phosphorus that we get these big blooms and we start to see some impacts um, to ecosystems as well as to ourselves. Yeah. Now, some of the concerns expressed by the water utilities operators uh, that we talked to for our story is that um, the, the more stringent limits uh, that, that the EPA would like to see placed on, the, uh, on their effluent um, uh, is just going to drive up their costs. It's more expensive to, uh, uh, to treat for more phosphorus and to reduce those levels, and, it, and that cost obviously is going to get passed on to the residential customers and also to the industrial and business customers uh, through which those plants also process uh, their wastewater. So, um, you know, is there a... Uh, is there a, are there are there cheaper, less expensive ways to to, to reduce that <laughs> amount and point source point source uh, pollution? Yeah, that's that's a, a problem experienced everywhere as well. You know, we yeah. call it diminishing returns. Um, you know, it costs more and more money to reduce. You know, that 0.1 or 0.01 milligram per liter of phosphorus or or any other contaminant. You know, the yeah. the further you want to reduce your levels, the more it's going to cost. You know, per per level. Um, and, you know, that's something that the new NSF Center, uh, which if you don't want to say the whole center name, we just say STEPS, um, <laughs> okay. Science and Technologies to, uh, for Phosphorus Sustainability. Um, so that's something we're trying to tackle in STEPS. We have a vision of, you know, achieving 25% uh, reduction in phosphorus uh, in 25 years. Very grand vision, but we're trying to think of things that we can do, technologies, interventions, strategies, to be able to meet some of those, you know, lofty targets that we've set for ourselves. And um, there are certainly things that can be done that are already in existence today, and those are things we're also looking at with STEPS. Um, you know, I mentioned one thing is sort of recoupling, and I know Arkansas has also been a leader in this, the livestock and cropland industries, because um, sometimes it can be a little cheaper to address some of those non-point sources if we can address them effectively. Um, than installing maybe the latest, greatest technology that requires a lot of energy and cost to users. 
Um, so if we can, for instance, create a, a viable market for, uh, say, the phosphorus removed during the wastewater treatment process, um, you know, to be used on farms or in parks or, you know, other places where we apply phosphorus currently, but maybe we're buying, you know, some sort of mine fertilizer. Um, or similarly, if we can find better uses of that poultry litter or manure, um, in in croplands or other other uh, use cases, that could be sort of a simple solution um, in in some ways. Um, and then there's certainly you know new and emerging technologies uh, thinking about how can we better uh, recover that valuable resource. So I also think kind of thinking about it both on you know the wastewater treatment side as well as the ag manure side as this valuable resource of phosphorus rather than this waste product that's costing us a lot to deal with um, you know if we can do some things um, to, to just kind of change our mindset around that and think about ways that we can start uh, you know trying to make this waste resource an actual useful beneficial resource um, I think that's where some of our, you know, strategies into the future need to be going. Yeah. So, so perhaps a long-term look at this, maybe over 25 years, as you mentioned, would be a way to capture some of that phosphorus to keep it from getting into the effluent to begin with. Is that? Definitely. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think so. And I, I also think there needs to be even more so than there already is uh, working across sort of these point and non-point sources. Um, there have been various, for instance, programs proposed to uh, do sort of water quality trading like you see in the carbon trading market. So, um, you know, rather than a wastewater treatment plant spending millions of dollars to upgrade their facility to reduce a little bit more, you know, can they pay farmers or develop a program that incentivizes the reuse of some of that phosphorus? Um, you know, so I think uh, working together is going to be the way that we solve the phosphorus issue because, again, we all use it. We're all dependent on it. And it is a finite resource for us that, that we need to be working together to address, you know, long-term sustainability for. Yeah. So, well, I know some, some local environmental groups, the Illinois River Watershed Partnership, Save the Illinois River from over in Oklahoma, they've been concerned just about the explosive growth. And, you know, th their view of the situation is that you, you really can't make the levels low enough because there's just so much new wastewater mm -hmm. introduced to the market over the last 25 or 30 years. So some of those, some of those longer-term solutions probably can't come soon enough. So. Yeah, I, I'm from Arkansas, and every time I come home to visit, which I was just there in April, actually, I, there's always some new area that, uh, you know, was maybe farmland before or uh, maybe it was forested or something, and it's now a development. So I, I definitely understand that, and um, definitely we need solutions, and some of these solutions are things we could start working on right away, um, so I don't think they're necessarily uh, you know, only going to happen in the long term. But I think the sooner that we start working together to solve some of these problems rather than kind of fighting over um, who's to blame. Um, and again, I think that involves changing the narrative and seeing this phosphorus as a resource rather than this issue and thinking about ways that we can recover and reuse this valuable resource is going to be the, the best option moving forward. Well, uh, Dr. Munich, what else do our listeners need to know? Uh, anything else that comes to mind that you'd like to mention? Uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head, yeah. but I, I can't think of anything specifically. I think that as far as, um, you know, I worked in a bunch of different places around the U.S., and I think uh, Arkansas tends to be more forward-thinking in, in uh, its decisions about phosphorus and water quality specifically. There's lots of monitoring, for instance, happening within the state and lots of programs, um, you know, designed to get people involved in um, their watersheds and, and, and know, knowledgeable about their, their water quality. So I, I, I think it's a... It's great that this is, um, you know, coming up as something to work on. It might feel like a growth point uh, that is hard to get through, but I think if any uh, state can handle this issue, I think it's Arkansas. Uh, and I might be a little bit biased in that perspective. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I, uh, I very much appreciate you spending a few minutes today and talk about this uh, and, and educate us a little bit more about uh, about this uh, the, 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 the fight over phosphorus that's been going on for so long and will go on probably a little longer. So um, thanks, uh, thanks to my guest, uh, Dr. Rebecca Logsdon Munich. She, again, is the assistant professor at Arizona State School, Arizona State's School of Sustainable Engineering and the Built Environment, and she's also a native of Northwest Arkansas. Uh, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. All right. Oh, and would you mention one more time that your STEPS organization and uh, talk, and, and remind the readers about that as well. Yeah, our uh, NSF-funded Science and Technology Center is called STEPS, uh, Science and Technologies for Phosphorus Sustainability. Um, it uh, is a big center between ASU, NC State, uh, UIUC, uh, Appalachian State, and more and more entities, University of Florida, where we're trying to address phosphorus sustainability on a broad scale from the atomic level. So we've got, you know, material scientists trying to advance our knowledge of how phosphorus behaves in certain systems, um, materials that would be useful for recovery up to the field level, which, you know, our researchers working on best management practices for farmers, as well as technologies for removal of phosphorus, say, in wastewaters, um, all the way up to a regional and global scale. So thinking about, again, some of those economic drivers, uh, pertinently the, the war in Ukraine at the moment is changing fertilizer prices, some of those mine fertilizer prices. So um, there's been some new opinion pieces on maybe we'll start to see uh, some of these manures and organic residuals like biosolids from wastewater treatment processes um, actually evolve into a more viable market um, because of the price uh, increases in fertilizer. So we're, you know, we've got people looking at the global scale, the, the watershed scale, and thinking about solutions across um, various sources um, and drivers. Um, so we just are in our first inaugural year. Um, we hope to be going and funded for at least 10 more years through the NSF and then hopefully beyond that. But again, you know, we're trying to reach our 25 and 25 um, goal, uh, and that's our lofty goal we're trying to achieve with the, with the STEP Center. All right. Well, again, thanks for your time today. Very, uh, very informative, and I appreciate uh, you spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Don't forget to check out Lorenda Jenkins' story about that lawsuit between the ADEQ and the EPA in this weekend's edition of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. We've got a number of other great stories coming your way as well. Doug Thompson takes a look at the donations and expenses of local legislative candidates in advance of Tuesday's preferential primary election. We'll also update you on early voting. The new intersection realignment on Shiloh Drive near the Fulbright Expressway in Fayetteville is almost complete. 
Planners hope the improvements will make the intersection safer and more efficient. Stacy Ryburn will have all the details. Talk about killing two birds with one stone. Some local students will get both their high school diploma and an associate's degree from Northwest Arkansas Community College this spring. Janelle Jessen will tell you about those kids. Garrett Moore will give us an update on the installation of solar panels on Rogers City facilities. The $12.2 million project is designed to make the city more energy efficient. Benton County officials are working on a plan to substantially increase the size of the jail to deal with overcrowding, but some groups want the county to consider alternatives to adding new jail beds. Check out Tracy Neal's story on the topic. The Sebastian County Quorum Court will be discussing how it will spend millions of dollars in American Rescue Plan money at its meeting on Tuesday. Thomas Sicente will give us a look at some of the options. Let us help you keep up with the Razorback softball team as it opens play in the NCAA tournament this weekend. We'll also tell you about how the Arkansas baseball team is doing in its series at Alabama, and we'll have all the high school state championship results for soccer, softball, and baseball. Subscribers have access to all of this content and more at our website, nwaonline.com, and on our apps for smartphone and tablet. If you're not a subscriber, but don't want to miss out anymore? Just click the subscribe button on our website. Again, that's nwaonline.com. Or call us at 479-684-5509. Again, that phone number is 479-684-5509. Know the News is a weekly podcast that comes out every Friday. If you're enjoying it, just subscribe for free by hitting the button on your device right now. Thanks for listening today, and we'll be back next week with a new edition of Know the News. Until then, this is Rusty Turner saying so long.